Our scripture this morning comes from Acts chapter 5, and I will be reading um, starting in verse 25 out of the Common English Bible. Just then, someone arrived and announced, Look, the people you put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. Then the captain left with his guards and brought the apostles back. They didn't use force because they were afraid the people would stone them. The apostles were brought before the council where the high priest confronted them. In no uncertain terms, we demanded that you not teach in this name. And look at you. You have filled Jerusalem with your teachings, and you are determined to hold us responsible for this man's death. Peter and the apostles replied, We must obey God rather than humans. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God has exalted Jesus to his right side as leader and savior so that he could enable Israel to change its heart and life and to find forgiveness for sins. We are witnesses of such things, as is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. My name's Steve Hyduke. I'm a pastor here at Ovilla United Methodist Church. I'm happy to be here with you all. I'm happy you're here today. I'm happy um, all of you that are um, with us streaming either right now, which is weird because I say right now, and whenever you see this is right now for you, which makes me wanting to get get into space-time continuum stuff, but that's not really on the docket for today, so I'll do that some other time. Um, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here for worship, or or I'm glad you're here. I hope you're here for worship Um, before this service and before our early service outdoors started, um, I spent some time in each of our worship spaces just praying that God would be here and available for us, that everybody here would either come here ready to hear something from God, or if that's not the case, that we would all leave um, feeling like God had met us here. Because I, I, I know there are Sundays that you go to gather in worship, not because you feel like gathering in worship, but because... Uh, sometimes you know you need to, or it's just a habit that you've created. So whether you're here because you're just raring to have what God um, has for you, or whether you're here to see if God can pull that off today because nothing else has gone that well, awesome. I'm thankful you're here. So please pray with me. Good, great, loving God. We're glad to be in your presence. And so here and now, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight because you and you only, God, are our strength and our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So you might have noticed this. The next church over has a big sign on the road that says in big white block letters, Pick a side. And it's got half of it's red and half of it's blue. You know, as in red and blue, as in these two distinct American political colors that we've all come to understand everything in terms of. They want us to pick a side, I think. Because, of course, you know, the election is nine days away. So 10 days from now is the start of the next four-year cycle, I'm afraid. So I think they want us to pick a side. The sign went up a couple of weeks ago, 
I'm not sure, I'm not really sure if they want you to pick a side or if they're telling you that you have picked a side or if it's just provocative to try to get people to stop in and say, hey, what do you mean with that pick a side sign? I'm also not sure if they're advising people which side to pick or if maybe they're just saying, now's the time and you have to pick one side or the other or this I worry about having no idea about that particular congregation. I worry that maybe they're saying, if you don't pick the right side, then you're really not a follower of Jesus. But they're trying to say something. Which I guess leads us, as well as anything would, into this fifth and final sermon in our stew series you know if you've been following at all this is our stewardship series the first four letters of course are stew and stew is this delicious one pot meal that you make when the weather starts turning like this and the beauty of stew is you take some certain amount of ingredients and you blend them and you mix them together and the flavors and, and whatever else it is that makes up those ingredients kind of mixes together among themselves to make something that is greater than just the sum of the parts of the ingredients. And the best thing about stew, I still think, is the leftovers. I've always been kind of a leftovers guy, but stew is even better a couple days later reheated than it was fresh out of the pot because the flavors still continue to mingle and so we're in the, the we're looking at our lives as stewards god has given us the world to take care of on god's behalf and so we're stewards of it we don't own any of it but we're stewards so we're left in charge to to take care of it and and we can define the ingredients of this stewardship life in any number of ways. I don't know, maybe you have a different list of ingredients in your mind for all the ways it takes to be a faithful follower of Jesus. We've gone with just five because after about five weeks, people tend to be ready to move on to a different sermon series. And mostly because as United Methodists, when we join a United Methodist church, we pledge to uphold it with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. So we got a five-ingredient list, and we've got each of those five ingredients. Speaking of which, you should have gotten mail or email this week. Just a second. And if you, if you got mail, you got something that looks like this in it. If you got email, you got a link to something that, that has all this information in it. But the link wasn't good for the first couple of days. So if you would rather have a physical copy of this, then I want to invite you to go back to ovillaumc.org forward slash connect, because you've already been there, to check in. Come on, streamers. You got time now. Nobody can see you pick up your phone. It's all right. So check in. And if you want a physical copy of this, I will have it either hand-delivered or snail-mailed to you. Um, some of you already messaged me that the link was bad and shared that you'd like that. Awesome. We will take care of this however you want. Um, but we're bringing to a close this series of the stew that is the life of a Christian, and we're doing that with witness. And I will tell you, as I imagined this sermon coming together around the word witness, I imagine me peppering it and having this call and response message and uh, our, our crowd's up a bit today for our third successive in-person indoor worship. So thank you all for being here. But I imagine this being a call and response and I say periodically throughout the sermon, can I get a witness? 
and I don't know exactly what you say, because honestly, um, apparently you say nothing, which is fine. Um, if you said something and you're streaming, type it in so we know what you said, or so I'll know what you said, please. So um, I love call and response sermons, I realize, when I'm on that side of the sermonizing. So somebody up here gets me kind of fired up, and, and they say something, and I say something in response. That really gets me going. But I don't know for sure what to do with that from this side, because it's not really my preaching style. And because a few weeks ago, somebody shared this Andy Stanley quote with me, and Andy shared that applause is intoxicating. Applause or, or call and response or, I mean, if somebody out there just started shouting amen or praise the Lord or something, it's intoxicating. And then he shared, intoxicated people don't make the best decisions. So I'm not going to try hard to play to the crowd to make this a call and response thing. But I want you to know, in my mind, this is call and response, and periodically throughout this sermon about witness, I say, can I get a witness? And, and I get some kind of witness, whatever that means. So I don't know for two reasons, because I'm, I'm a lifelong United Methodist, and we tend not to do that too much in United Methodism. You know, we're kind of a staid crowd. And we're kind of staid for a couple of reasons. One, because that's just the way we are, that's why we're United Methodists. Two, because we're not really sure but that those really energetic services that we've heard about and maybe we've been to, they kind of get out of control sometimes. People get kind of ecstatic. And as somebody who leads a worship service, I'm not sure what to do if a worship service gets out of control. Now, I, I have been part of worship services that, that the Spirit kind of filled the place, and you could tell, either if I was leading or not leading, you could tell that, that it doesn't end up going exactly the way they thought the service was going to go at the start. However, I've also been responsible for and been at worship services that you can tell don't go exactly the way they thought they would do when they started, and it is not the Holy Spirit. So, I don't want to presume that if I can just get you all into some kind of frenzied state, that means the Holy Spirit's here. But I also don't want to assume that just because you're still, that you're being contemplative, not sleeping, but contemplative, and seeking the very inside of the Holy Spirit with you. And in these days, we have, we have people that think, it's not real worship unless people are energetic and waving hands and dancing in the aisles. And there's other people that think it's not real worship unless everybody is quiet and still for a certain amount of time. And I think that the value in a worship service is if God shows up, not how much energy is displayed or how much energy isn't displayed. So if at any point in the remainder of this service I say, can I get a witness? Awesome. Throw something at me. I can't promise to say that, that I'll say that, but just in case I do, throw something back at me so that I can get a witness because Witness is our last topic of this sermon series, so it's about witnessing. We all who have ever joined a United Methodist Church have pledged to support it with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. Now, those of you that joined a United Methodist Church before about 20 years ago, you might remember we didn't used to pledge to support it with our witness. That's been added recently. That's that new thing some of us are thinking. It's newer than 1989 because the hymnal, oh, that's right, we took out the hymnals so everybody wouldn't handle them. The hymnal doesn't include it. 
The hymnal, as many of us who joined when we came forward and joined the church, we pledged to support it with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service. But we've added witness. So every time since you joined way back when, you've been present for somebody else to join, you have renewed your vows to support the church with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness. And we think, and my experience is, that it's kind of like when you attend a wedding even though you're already married. You experience that new wedding as kind of a renewal of your own marriage vows. That's what the membership vows are supposed to be about. They remind us of the commitment that we've made to the church. And we have, for quite a few years now, been committing to witness. So what does it mean to witness? Well, simple terms, take it all of the religious garb and baggage off of it. To witness something just means to be present and either to experience it or see it for yourself. So take the story in Acts chapter 5, if you will. The apostles had been put in jail because they had been witnessing. They had been sharing their faith, or more specifically, they'd been sharing what they had seen and experienced Jesus do in their lives and the lives of those around them with other people. And the people in charge didn't like it. Because, as they say, this is, is kind of my favorite part of the story. Because it's just like people. They say, they tell the, the apostles, but before we get there, they had the apostles locked up, put in prison, because they didn't like all this Jesus stuff they were spreading. And the Holy Spirit, earlier in chapter 5 in the book of Acts, gets, opens the door of the prison in the middle of the night, and the apostles get to leave, and then they send for the apostles, and they go to the prison, and they're not there. Which is one thing, but it also says that they didn't find out until they got in the prison. They were, so the Holy Spirit sprung them free, but then closed the prison doors again to make it all look nice and tidy. And I don't know exactly what that says about the Holy Spirit, but I find it fascinating. So the apostles are free. They've been released from prison, but they don't go run and hide. They go back to the temple because they can't help but share what Jesus has done for them. Because witnessing is plain and simple, sharing what you've seen or experienced Jesus do. So I invite you to consider, what have you seen or experienced Jesus do? How has Jesus acted in your life or in your presence in a way that you want to share it with other people? And this could be from decades ago. Hopefully there's something that's less than decades ago. But I invite you, please, to consider, how has Jesus acted? How has the good news of Jesus acted in your presence, either in your life or with those around you, people where you have actually seen or experienced or witnessed it that you can share because these apostles were witnessing and they got arrested and then they're released and they're back in the temple doing the same thing again because they can't stop themselves. And so they're brought before the authorities where they're told, in no uncertain terms, we demanded that you not teach in this name, this name being Jesus, and look at you. You have filled Jerusalem with your teachings, and you're determined to hold us responsible for this man's death. Now, it's interesting because the disciples, the apostles, aren't going telling everybody, hey, the authorities killed Jesus. You need to do something about it. But the authorities are kind of putting words in the apostles' mouth. Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than humans. 
the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Okay, so they're not avoiding the issue, but this isn't the main point. The main point is God has exalted Jesus to his right side as leader and savior so that he could enable Israel, all of us, to change its heart and life to find forgiveness of sins. See, what they want is not for these people who are in authority to be deposed or to get in trouble or to suffer, but they want them all to know what they've come to know, the forgiveness of sins. And then they say, we are witnesses of such things, as is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. They are witnesses of these things. We are witnesses of these things. So how are you a witness? You're a witness simply by having experienced or seen someone experience the good news of Jesus Christ. Specifically, Acts tells us, the forgiveness of sins. Have you experienced the forgiveness of your sins? If you never have, or if it's been a long time, today's a good day to experience the forgiveness of your sins. Because the scripture teaches clearly that's what God's all about. God wants not just God's few special chosen people to experience their forgiveness of their sins, but through God's people, God wants all the world to know this power. And the world comes to know that through our witness. In just a few months I've been here, some of you have shared with me the specific areas where you find your witness the strongest. Someone shared with me how they had been they had had cancer previously and it is either now cured or in remission i don't know the exact specific technical term and i don't want to overplay a misinterpretation of that but this person said listen i've been through a diagnosis of cancer and through cancer treatments if you they said to me hear of anybody getting a diagnosis of cancer let them know they can talk to me because they have witnessed the work of Jesus in the midst of that diagnosis and treatment. Somebody else came to me not terribly long ago and said, if you get a call even in the middle of the night from somebody uh, ostensibly in the church, because I don't know if I'd get random calls otherwise, who has to stop drinking and they need somebody to talk to, give them my number no matter what time of day it is. Because I've been there. They've witnessed, this person has witnessed the damage that alcohol can do in a person's life. And they've witnessed how Jesus can bring them from that. And they want nothing more than for anybody else caught in that situation to know they can come to this person. So their witness is something about where they have seen God at work and they want to help others. So I don't know what your specific area of witness is. It all depends on how and when you have seen God at work, either in your own life or in the lives of those around you. And you can witness to those things to others. And there is somebody who will cross your path this week who is maybe a few steps behind you on some path that you've been on before, but you found deliverance and healing and hope. 
And there might be somebody that's several steps behind you because this deliverance or healing or hope that you found was years ago. But to hear your story, your witness of God at work can be exactly what they need to know right now. So witness, I think, is how we pick a side. Because it reminds me of what Abraham Lincoln allegedly said when someone asked him if he thought that God was on the side of the Union. Because as you can imagine, in every war, each side in the war thinks God is on their side. And Lincoln answered, I don't know about God being on our side. What I want is to be on God's side. So in the mess that our culture and society and nation are in right now, it's on us as followers of Jesus to be on the side of God. And exactly how that comes down in blue and red or red and blue came to me in the last week or two as I'm, con- as I'm just more and more um, frustrated and saddened at how divided we are, not just as a nation, but people who claim the Lordship of Jesus are divided. And some will say, from the red camp, you can't even be a Christian if you're in the blue camp. And some will say from the blue camp, you can't even be a Christian if you're in the red camp. And it struck me just this week that what happens if you bring red and blue together into one color? You get purple. Purple is the color of royalty, historically. And our royalty, to whose power we witness is Jesus the Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So may you pick a side, the side of witnessing to how God has worked in your life and around you, that others might come to know Jesus as well. Thanks for listening to this message from Ovilla United Methodist Church. We hope and pray that it will make a difference in the way you approach the world and the way you're able to share the love of God with those around you. If you need more information about our church, find us on Facebook or at ovillaumc.org.